0: From the Allen Media Worldwide Headquarters Studios High Top 2 Turtle Creek, this is Deconstructing Dallas. Greetings everyone, it's your host Ryan Trimble. Looking out, preparing for a big Thanksgiving holiday week. Joined today by a man who plans to gobble till he wobbles. He of course, Sean Williams. Sean, good day sir.
1: Testing, one, two, testing. Can you read me, Ryan Tremble? Good day. You're coming in loud and clear, over. I, I am using the new microphone that you bought me. And so uh, it only has taken me about a year, <laughs> but, but I have it hooked up and I'm hoping that that you can hear me
0: now. Can you okay. hear me now? I can. I can, Sean. And I'm glad that we are celebrating the spirit of sharing and giving, uh, even uh, you know a little bit delayed on the microphone front.
1: Yeah. I can't wait to see what I get this year was microphone last year. So maybe <laughs> as we move, into the holiday, I'm hoping this is a precursor
0: summer 2020 gift is now full and full, full employment.
1: Well, I get, yes, absolutely. I can, uh, also thank you for, for the bottle of wine you gave me for my birthday, uh, last week. Thank you so much.
0: Absolutely. I hope Mrs. Williams enjoyed it. Um, I, I thought that was her favorite brand, but I, I could be wrong. Maybe maybe she has multiple favorites. I don't know.
1: Saving don't know it why. for a special occasion, Ryan. Saving it for a special occasion Good. They're still sitting there in the kitchen.
0: Excellent. Excellent. Well, of course, happy birthday and happy Thanksgiving week.
1: Happy friend. Thanksgiving. Looking forward to all of that. Uh, how how are things How's how, how's Thanksgiving shaping up for you? I think your mom's coming to town. She is. Yes. Uh, we may have both of our listeners in town at the same
0: time. It's it's really going to be amazing. I mean, we should have a Deconstructing Dallas, uh, you know, Friendsgiving, I guess. But <laughs> um, uh, no, it's, it's great. Uh, Gigi, uh, Gigi is coming in town. She's ready to rock. She's packed her bags already. She can't wait. Kids are fired up. There's movie nights. There's multiple snacks. She is going to employ the sugar up the kids and give them back to us method. I think um, we are moving product out. We've got a new, new bed, new shelves. I mean, you should, my truck has been in a lot of use this past week. A lot of goodwill runs. It's been good.
1: It's been good <laughs> That's exciting man. tell you, mama say, hello. I feel like, the last time I saw her was when we – I don't remember if it was when we went to Tom Thumb for lunch or if it was when we were walking in the Lake Highlands, like 5K or
0: something. Yes, remember. moment that of silence. It might have been the same week. Moment of silence for the Tom Thumb salad bar. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, yeah, she, she's excited. And, and your mom also uh, making the trek in from Paris, huh?
1: Yeah, we're still finalizing the plans. There's still some things up in the air. We will see her, and I believe it will be here. And we are still deciding between making the traditional Thanksgiving dinner at home or going and visiting one of our local um, establishments and supporting them them for Thanksgiving.
0: Well, thank you for your help to get the economy back on track either way, Sean. Always here to do my part. That's right. That's right. Well, uh, happy Thanksgiving to all of our listeners. Um, we hope you uh, get to spend some good quality time with family and friends. Um, we-
1: and we are thankful for you, each and every one of you, for tuning in and downloading this episode in your car or on your treadmill or, you know, we hear about commuters. Wherever you listen to Deconstructing Dallas, we appreciate it and are thankful for you.
0: And as I was uh, telling my illustrious colleague here, that I am grateful for him for always uh, allowing me the bandwidth to share my my SMU nostalgia with him, our listeners, <laughs> our guests, and always find a way to work it in. You are gracious, and I'm I'm thankful, sir.
1: Well, it gives you know I always get a good belly laugh myself, so I mean I keep <laughs> keep them coming. You know, it brings a smile to my face, as you oh. can see right now, because we are currently looking on the zoom recording, which has been new, but I like it.
0: It is. It's been good. We've been, uh, we've been rocking. We still are grateful of course, for the hard work of our friend, Michael Zavala. Um, uh, Hopefully this is, uh, you know, giving him a chance to free up some more bandwidth on his (laughs) end, (laughs) not have to listen to us in person. Not have to babysit us for
1: 30 minutes each week. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, um, we're just full of gr- gratitude and thankfulness, and I need to write some gratitude letters, but um, uh, excited to bring our show to our listeners today, Sean.
1: Yeah, today we are going to be talking transit with the new president and CEO of Dallas Air Rapid Transit, Nadine Lee. Um, you know, my wife Dominique is a DART board member, so I've had a chance to, to um, meet Nadine a, a couple times we used to work Alamedia for dart back in the day. And so, you know, I've always been a, a, a fan and observer of, of dart. And I think that that dart is entering a critical area, area, era and area both. And, um, I, I, I'm, I really like to looking forward to discussing that with Nadine.
0: Yeah. It's, it's an exciting hire. Nadine, of course, has been in Denver and then in, in Los Angeles and, uh, um, you know, so I don't know, are those, uh, are those our our benchmark cities? I'm not sure what to call them, but I feel like her experience is going to really, really help, especially as we uh, take on, you know, a a bus system, you know, I don't know, is it an overhaul, a review at the very least and, and see how we can better serve customers on that front. We're digging, you know, digging a tunnel in downtown. We've got, uh, a connector, big, a big line going across, um, you know, the north part of the Metroplex all the way to DFW. So there is a lot going on and I'm excited to share, you know, her excitement for um, all these projects and her vision for the future of the organization. Well, when I moved to Dallas in the late
1: 90s and it was Dallas area because it was Irving at the time, a dark number city. And when I moved to Irving, when I first got here, I, I just remember it was kind of like all light rail all the time. Like every light rail station that opened was a big deal. And it got Dallas closer to becoming the having the largest and longest most extensive light rail system in the United States. And, and it was a, a huge deal. And I, I think it's something that, that we should be proud of, uh, with the green line and the orange line, and the blue line, and the red line. However, you know, I, I have since come to realize just you know where Dart has missed the mark as it relates to bus, and I think we do have we've had some Dart members who've, who've asked a lot of questions, and I think it's something that the city of Dallas has been interested in uh, as well. So I'm, I'm very much interested in getting Nadine's um, thoughts on on what you call, which I do think is right, a, a bus overhaul, at least the start of one.
0: Yeah, it's, it's very exciting. And, and just um, I think that, uh, like I said, her energy and her vision is going to be a real plus uh, for for this this city. And so um, let's jump right in to our interview with Nadine Lee right after this quick break. Deconstructing Dallas, Ryan Trimble, Sean Williams. We'll be right back with you. Constructing Dallas, Ryan Trimble, Sean Williams, Sean, super fired up today to be welcoming our guest. She, of course, Nadine Lee, the president and CEO of Dallas Area Rapid Transit, better known as Dart. Nadine, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Sean. It's great to be on.
0: Yeah, well, thank you. Thanks for squeezing us in. I know you've hit the ground running since you've been here and uh, you got a full schedule. You you got to keep the Trains running on time, pun intended. Um, but I, I was hoping Nadine, just kick it off. If you could tell us a little bit about yourself and your background.
2: Okay, so I am um, I am a new uh, resident of Dallas and North Texas. I came here from Los Angeles, where I spent five and a half years working at the Los Angeles County Metro uh, or Los Angeles County Metropolitan Transportation Authority, um, where I served as the chief of staff. And um, also, prior to being the chief of staff, I was the deputy chief innovation officer. Um, and just so that everybody knows, I'm an engineer by education and spent many years of my career working in uh, engineering design and construction, uh, working on roadway projects as well as transit projects, with of course my big love being in transit. So I've come here, uh, you know, as the president and CEO, of, uh, ready to hit the ground running and, and just, you know, really make some great changes to the system here.
1: Nadine, you've been a leader in Denver and Los Angeles prior to coming to Dallas. I'm I'm really interested in your thoughts on Dallas and North Texas as you get to know the area and how it compares to your last couple of stops.
2: Well, I'm really struck by the similarities between Dallas and Los Angeles. and I, I haven't been in Dallas long enough to know if people cringe at that thought. but um but what I'll tell you is that I find some really interesting parallels between the two locations, um particularly in the diversity of the economy here, um also in the development pa- development patterns, um, because you know, we have, uh, here in North Texas, definitely a lot less density than in Los Angeles, but um, it's similar in that it's a lot of low rise development. Um, you know, you do find some high rise developments around uh, the clusters of downtown and, and along some of the real business corridors like 75. Um, so I think it's just a really fascinating, uh, uh, fascinating thing to compare the two because there's a lot of sort of decentralization of business um, in the Dallas region as there is in Los Angeles as well. And I think that introduces some really interesting transportation problems, mobility problems throughout our region. Um, and I think that, you know, I think most people would not like to end up where Los Angeles is. And, and I, I share that same feeling. So um, I'm hoping that the work that I do at DART in, in the coming years is actually going to help help mitigate uh, the traffic congestion that people are experiencing now, which, by the way, isn't as bad as Los Angeles. But I understand that when you're having to deal with that from day to day, it can be a real pain. And um, and so that's really one of the reasons that DART exists is to help manage that that uh, congestion that everybody experiences. So, you know, that's uh Uh, that those are kind of the similarities there, um, in terms of how, uh, Dallas might be more similar to Denver. We have a very extensive light rail system here in Dallas as, as they do also in Denver. Um, you know, and I think that, um, you know, our service area is much smaller than Denver's. Ours is 700 square miles. Denver's is something like 2,400 square miles. Uh, And by comparison, Los Angeles County is 1,400 square miles. So I think it's interesting to kind of look at um, the size of the various regions. Um, I think that, uh, you know, our, when I think about our, our light rail system, we have a very large light rail system for the size of our area we have a very small bus fleet for our, the size of our area. So um, it's interesting, our, our, um, our bus fleet's only about 700 buses right now, so it's kind of interesting. By comparison, Los Angeles, which is twice our size, they run 2,300 buses. Uh, Denver has, I think, a little over a thousand buses that they're running in their giant um, in their giant uh, service area. So, um, so there's some similarities, a lot of differences, um, but I think the problems are still the same: that people really want to travel uh, quickly to wherever they're trying to go, and that's really what we're here to do is just to help facilitate that uh, really painless journey.
0: Now, Nadine, you, you've had the bonus of taking on this role during a global pandemic, of course. Um, Can you tell us how the pandemic has changed how people commute and, and more specifically how the pandemic has affected DART?
2: Yeah, so um, I think uh, from a macro level, the pandemic, I think obviously, you know, the world shut down, which was not only a huge hit to the economy, but I think to everyone's understanding of of how people travel and when people travel and why people travel. So I think what we learned during the pandemic is that those who have the means to travel by a car or whatever, um, and also most likely have the opportunity to work from home, no longer needed to travel on our system. And we've built these uh, transportation systems to accommodate uh, the commute, right? The the peak period commute when we have the most demand on our capacity. And so um, during the pandemic, what we found was uh, the air quality got a lot better in pretty much every city that I can think of, um, you know, and, and so we really saw the impact that transportation has on our air quality and our climate. And so a real opportunity here as we come out of the pandemic i know we're not out of it yet but and as we start to come out of the pandemic to think about what that means um, if we could actually use our space more wisely and get people to share rides more often um, which may sort of fly in the face of um, of individual rights in some ways um, but i think it's really important for us to think about you know what kind of a world we want to live in and um, and i think that you know, the, the transportation piece of this is so important. I mean, trying to figure out how we're going to use the existing capacity that we have um, in better ways um, and also work or provide uh, the the travel that's needed for non-work trips. Um, that's something that, that I think we also recognize through the pandemic is that not all trips, and in fact, the vast majority of trips are not commute trips. They're not work trips. They're trips to the grocery store, trips to the shopping mall or to Walmart or Target or wherever people do their general day-to-day shopping. Um, and I think all of those trips are, are extremely important because they're the ones that also have to happen. Um, whereas a commute, generally speaking, I think can be, can be flexed a little bit for people who have that eight to five jobs. Sometimes they can go in at seven and sometimes they can go in at nine. Um, whereas somebody who's on the clock working, you know, serv- being a service worker, they clock in and they clock out and they have to be on time at certain times of the day. And, and so for, for people like our essential workers, I think it's really important for us to make sure that their trip is, is really, um, really efficient and, and fast as much as possible.
1: Nadine, Dallas has an extensive history with public transit, but DART is really still a relatively new organization in comparison to other transit um, outfits across the country. So, you know, how does DART, how is DART doing, I guess, and what are the opportunities that you, you see for DART?
2: So, DART is, um, well, let me uh, put it this way. So, when when the pandemic hit, DART like so many other organizations, um, had to kind of step, take a step back and sort of just look at the landscape because with the economy shut down, we had to really consider what that impact would be on our revenues because we're very much funded by sales tax collections. And so um, so it was a real challenge for us, because right at the beginning, there was a lot of uncertainty about, you know, I mean, you know, whether or not we'd have money in the future, uh, we were seeing ridership decline uh, precipitously, because people were staying at home, and we just weren't having as many people riding our system. I mean, I know we dropped down, right now we're running somewhere around, I think, 60% of the ridership that we had pre-pandemic, and so it was much lower than that right at the outset of the pandemic. So um, so we're recovering right now um, in terms of our ridership. And so um, the thing is, we we implemented a voluntary retirement program. And so at that point, we lost, you know, by the end of last year, we lost about 300, 350 people, I think it was. And, um, and we always have attrition. So right now, our numbers are down by about 500 uh, full-time employees. So where that is that is a challenge um, because everyone that means everyone else is working hard to make up for the people we don't have. Um, it also means that we're missing some of our trips because we don't have enough operators. Um, you know, sometimes our, our buses and and trains aren't getting repaired in time because we're down a number of mechanics. Um, in addition to that, we've also lost a lot of knowledge, um, industry knowledge uh, from people who have retired and been in the industry for a long time. So. It is a difficult time for all of our staff. What I will tell you is that our staff is very talented and very dedicated, and they are just doing a great job right now. Um, what I need to do um, and the opportunity that I have is is I need to bring in more people. Um, I need to get more people interested in coming to work at DART because it's a great place to work. Um, I need to make sure that we fill all the positions that are vacant right now in key leadership roles. Um, And as a new CEO, a lot of times that's a great opportunity to bring in fresh ideas and new energy and really get people excited about what we're doing as an organization.
1: Deconstructing Dallas. We are talking to Nadine Lee, President and CEO at Dart. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about Dart and the bus system specifically. So hang with us through the break. Deconstructing Dallas. Sean Williams, Ryan Tremble. We'll be right back right after this.
0: Deconstructing Dallas, Ryan Trimble, Sean Williams. We're joined today by the head of Dallas Area Rapid Transit, Chief of course, Nadine Lee. Nadine, I wanted to get into a little bit about our uh, bus system here in Dallas. I know you as Chief of Staff at Metro in Los Angeles, you oversaw Metro's, uh, the Better Bus Initiative, multi-billion dollar plan to address reliability and racial inequity in, in um, LA's bus transit system. How, how is that experience, do you think, will help you here in Dallas as we take on this issue?
2: Well, so right now we have more riders on our bus system than we have on rail. Actually, that's been, I say right now, but it's really been always. Um, and that that was true in Los Angeles as well. And um, when I was in Los Angeles, I, I really, what really struck me was the level of investment that was going into building new rail, um, with you know the hope of trying to get more riders on our on the transit system. Um, but when I saw how many people were actually on the bus system every single day um, in Los Angeles, it's about close to 900,000 riders a day on the bus system. Um, here, it's, I think it's around 134,000 um, pre-pandemic, by the way, those are pre-pandemic numbers. Um, when you think about that number of riders every day, um, you know, the rail system, you know, in all its glory, doesn't carry that many riders. It carries a fraction of that. In Los Angeles, it's about Uh, pre-pandemic, 300,000 riders a day. Um, In Dallas, it's, I think, about 100,000 riders a day. Um, And so, you know, the vast majority of the riders are on the bus system. And and we don't often, as an industry, this isn't a, a, a slam on DART or Metro, but as an industry, we often don't spend enough time and attention paying, you know, listening to our bus riders and taking care of our bus riders. And, you know, we talked about the pandemic earlier. Uh, The pandemic really highlighted for us how important our essential workers are. And what I always said in Los Angeles was um, the bus riders are our essential workers or the uh, essential workers are bus riders. Um, That's, you know, by and large, mostly true. Um, Most of the bus riders are people of color, Most of them are from low-income households. Most of them don't have access to a car. And um, they're the people who need us the most, and they're the ones who have stuck with us throughout the pandemic. And so, you know, I really feel strongly that we need to pay a lot more attention to our bus system. Um, And and, if you go out on the streets and you look at our bus stops, you'll find that uh, there are a number of bus stops out there that have literally a post in the ground with a sign on it. Uh, sometimes it's only in the grass, uh, between the sidewalk and the curb, Um, not a very good waiting experience for people. Whereas when we build a train, um, build a light rail line, we provide a huge platform with a shelter, um, you know, a canopy, we provide lighting, we provide seating for everyone. We provide access to our electronic ticketing. Um, we don't do that for the bus stops, but there are a lot of reasons for that but we have 10,000 bus stops in in the whole area in Dallas um, or in the DART service area. And um, it would be difficult to do all those things at every single one of those bus stops. But, um, But, you know, a train comes every 15 to 20 minutes, whereas sometimes a bus only comes every hour. And so I think that, you know, what we really want to do is try to provide, you know, a dignified waiting experience for people. Um, and in, in that sense, I think it's really important for uh, areas where perhaps the bus only comes around once an hour. I think it's very important for us to provide a shelter or a canopy to provide shade because it's so hot here in Dallas. Um, I think it's really important to provide seating because, you know, if somebody misses their bus uh, that only comes once an hour and they actually have to wait another hour, um, you know, they probably don't want to be standing for another hour. So I just think that it's really important for us to think about that. In addition to that, from a mobility perspective, I was just really surprised when I came to Dallas and realized that in in an area this large that we only had 700 buses in our fleet. Uh, What that tells me is that we're not using our buses um, to the best that we could. Um, We actually have a lot of opportunities to improve mobility by increasing the usage of our bus system. But I think to start, um, or in order to do that, I think we need to... um, first of all, improve the bus system, which we are doing with our Dart Zoom uh, bus route restructure, which launches in January. Um, that We can talk about that more later. Um, but we are going to be doing that um, to actually provide routes that actually go where people want to go um, and actually serve people a lot better and, and faster as well. Um, so that's a first step. We're going to try to restructure the bus network um, and really try to make the bus system work better for people. Our next phases beyond uh, the Dart Zoom launch in, in January will actually look at how we speed up the bus system and provide some priority to our bus riders. And I'm hoping that we can really uh, boost up the ridership on our bus network by doing so.
1: Nadine, I love this conversation on bus um, bus ridership, bus transit. you know I, a couple of years ago I, I visited Rome, And, you know, I took the bus everywhere, you know, and there was great signage. It linked to my phone, uh, you know, and that was a city I didn't know and feel like I would have I had more confidence even than riding the bus here. And so I'm definitely interested to to learn more about your January rollout. And also, you know, if there are any more details that you can give us about that, uh, I'd love to hear about it.
2: Yeah. So, so in January, as I mentioned, um, January 24th. In fact, uh, we're rolling out the Dart Zoom new bus network. Um, this is super exciting because we redesigned our bus network t- uh, to reflect today's travel patterns. I mean, I don't think in the 30-year history of Dart uh, that we had actually revamped the bus system um, even once. So, it's the largest restructure in the history of the organization. I think that, um, like I said, it reflects all the current travel patterns that people have. And and I think that what we've done is we've uh, gone from uh, seven, what we refer to as high frequency or core frequency routes or core frequent routes, I think is the proper Mm -hmm. term. Um, We've gone from seven of those to 22, um, which really means that uh, there's a lot more access to people for high frequency service that runs from 4 a.m. to 1 a.m., um, so it's a 21-hour day for our operators. And, um, and so I think we're really going to provide a lot more access to job opportunities. Um, in fact, we did an, an analysis that showed that in every demographic group, we've actually increased access to job opportunities within a 60-minute bus ride. So, so that's a really good statistic um, because I think that means that we're providing that, that um, access to that that people need not just to jobs, but also to education and healthcare and all kinds of services that really allowed them to live healthy and productive lives. Um, so so that's really important. The other thing that we have going on um, is that we have a um, we have a um, a dart or we have a GoPass app um, that we've been developing for many years now. Well, well before I got here, um, but we're getting to the point now where we we are providing you know all the real-time information. We're providing the ticketing opportunities on the app. We're providing all these different tools all in this one app called GoPass. Um, <clears throat> and it gives the customers the mobile ticketing and real-time trip planning information for both our buses and trains. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, losing my voice. <laughs> uh, throughout our net- network. And, um, and we also ha- will have uh, access to GoLink, which is a, what we call a microtransit service, which is more on-demand service. Um, still, a shared ride, but um, but the idea behind it is that you know we provide this micro transit service where where a fixed route bus uh, is kind of too big to to provide the service that's needed in that area. So um, so the GoPass app actually aggregates all of those all those different uh, trip trip tools into one app, and um, and it's available now. It's a really exciting thing that we've been working on for a long time. And, um, and actually you should try downloading it and see if it, it helps you.
0: <laughs> well, I, I will, uh, I will definitely go try it out. Nadine. Um, you know, I was, I was reminiscing back 20 years ago when freshman Ryan Trimble got onto SMU's campus and went to orientation week. And one of the events was dart around Dallas. And so we got on at Mockingbird station and we darted and I think we went to planet Hollywood or some, some ridiculous venue down in the West end. But I remember thinking, you know, right around city place, you go downhill and you go subterranean, you go below ground. And I was thinking, man, I am in the big city here. I came from Albuquerque and I am here, I've made it. And so, you know, fast forward 20 years, we are now adding yet another tunnel D2 downtown. And I was hoping you could give us an update on on that. And also um, the Silver Line, uh, formerly known as the Cotton Belt, of course.
2: Yeah, so, so let me start with the Silver Line, because the Silver Line is um, our first big east-west uh, commuter rail corridor. It's 26 miles running from um, the DFW Airport to Shiloh Road in Plano, and, um, and it has about 10 stations along the corridor. goes through, I think, six cities. And... Um, it's it's a huge investment. It's uh, we're we're spending about one point nine billion dollars um, to build this commuter rail line, and it's going to connect with the Trinity Metro TexRail commuter commuter rail line at DFW North Station, and it'll provide access to downtown Fort Worth as well. Um, and so it's it's under construction right now. We had a little bit of a slow start at the beginning, um, and so we had a little bit of challenge trying to get all of our railroad agreements and our uh, private property acquisitions, but we're really on a roll now. And, um, and we haven't set an opening date at this point. Um, we're still looking at the schedule based off some of the delays that we had. Um, but the contractors out there doing a lot of construction, You're, you're if you're out there in the corridor, you'll see some utility relocations happening. You're going to see them moving dirt. So it's exciting because, um, you know, it's only going to take a few years to actually build the thing. and um, And when it Finally, opens um, people will be able to get from Plano to the airport, and it, it's uh, it's one of you know when we do these um, these infrastructure projects. I think um, it, I always like to you know to kind of show kids <laughs> what's happening out there. I think that's one of the best things that uh, we can do to get people excited about transportation because I mean, how many kids don't like buses, trains, and and you know construction vehicles? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's a silver line. We're really excited about that. Um, and then the other project that you mentioned, D2 Subway, that one is sort of like a, a second uh, light rail line that's going to go through downtown Dallas. It's kind of a relief valve for our existing light rail line because we run, currently run all of our trains down the transit mall on Pacific um, and and it gets a little congested sometimes when there's an incident um, and, you know, there could be traffic that causes delays um, we could cause traffic delays. And so sometimes, uh, sometimes, you know, we, we really have to be thinking about, you know, long-term resilience of our system. And, and, you know, the D2 subway was the proposal to try to um, provide that relief valve so that we could have a little redundancy in the downtown area in case something happens to the transit mall. Um, right now, uh, we, well, in, in March this year, this is before I came on, um, the Dallas City Council unanimously approved a resolution to support the D2 subway project. Um, and they did at that time ask us to uh, take another look at the east end of the alignment. Um, our east end of our current alignment uh, is going to daylight in um, in the Deep Elm neighborhood. And there were some challenges with that. Um, I think the community was was not. You know, not in favor of that. Um, but uh, they asked us to take another look and see if there was a way we could avoid um, an impact to the deep element community. So we have identified an alignment. It's really affectionately known as 3-7A. Uh, everybody remember that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we're actually in the process of um, taking a closer look at that alignment to see what the, what the cost of doing that alignment instead of our original preferred alignment would be. Now, I'll tell you that there are some challenges with that the new alignment because um, there will be some operational impacts. And so we need to uh, get out to the broader community and talk to them about what these changes might mean uh, for people who take the green line today. So we want to get out there and talk to them and see if uh, we can find a solution that will work for everyone. Um, there's always going to be challenges no matter what you do in terms of uh, big big corridor construction projects. Um, but, you know, we really want to make sure that we're not um, disparately impacting, um, you know, the low-end community communities along the green line.
1: Well, this has been great information. Uh, we love talking about transit and we have a lot of listeners who love DART and want to always find out more. So if our listeners do want to connect with you, find out more about you, the work you all are doing at DART, uh, how can they find you?
2: Well, they can always come look at our website at dart.org. Um, if you want to reach us on Facebook, uh, our, uh, our Facebook handle, I think, is what it's called. See, I'm not very good at this. <laughs> Dart, Dart Dallas is our uh, Facebook ID. And then our Twitter handle is Dart Media, all one word.
1: Well, This has been outstanding. Uh, and so we hope to connect with you again soon. Uh, good luck. Welcome to Dallas. And we are definitely rooting for you.
2: <laughs> Thank you so much. It was really fun talking to you.
1: This you. is Dick Construction Dallas. We'll be right back right after this.
0: deconstructing dallas ryan trimble sean williams sean man that was great great time uh listening to nadine and and hearing about her thoughts uh for the future of dart
1: I, i i very much enjoy that conversation curveball here for you ryan trimble when you travel do you do much um like you know across the country across the state do you do much transit in other cities when you visit
0: Uh, You know, I have, I've done, I've done the BART. I have a wild story about getting to a wedding where it was (laughs) planes, trains and automobiles. And I was, um, just a little greener, a little wilder. Um, but anyway, I rode the BART. Um, I'm trying to think, you know, I I know that, uh, Lauren and I rode the, what is it in Metro Marta in in Atlanta? I think it's. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that sounds right. Uh, on MARTA, they have a stop that's an Emory stop. And I remember always, uh, you know, telling the dark guys they needed an SMU stop. And I'm grateful that that has happened. You you literally made that happen yourself. <laughs> I don't know, but I bugged everybody enough about it. That's for sure. To get the words uh, SMU up there. Just got to get you got to get letter. the letters on there, man. <laughs> I had a. As as you would expect, I had a great argument. It's like, well, we've got the Bush Library. We got to tell people where to go when they come to an SMU game. I mean, you got to have it on there. And so, anyway, I'm glad that that deal has finally been done and the letters are up there. Um, I don't know what what about you, Sean? I,
1: I I think I've especially in New York, I've done mostly like subway in New York, some bus in New York, but yeah, I, if if I can, I love to to try it. San Diego. Um, definitely done, you know, light, rail, or light rail out there in San Diego, one of your favorite cities. So, you know, not much, not much in Texas though. I've, I've i think in Houston, I might've done like two.
0: Train I've done stops, the Houston, uh, yeah. the museum district. Mm-hmm. That, that's good. My, my, my one, I remember I had a, like a 20 on me and I, it's a dollar to ride and I put the 20 in. And I was like, I got nineteen uh, <laughs> gold dollars back. The is it the second? Are we a dollar? Yeah. It's like so, I got this pocket full of gold. You know, one dollar coins. <laughs> really great. Well, um, we I know
1: you know for me I don't have a lot of sports talk this week. Um, you know, the Aggies were unsuccessful. I think we we say that they they didn't they, they ran out of time um just, you know they ran out, just of, ran time. out
0: of time just yeah, ran out of time so, and it's okay it's gonna be okay because you are a proponent of, of of chaos and there's lots of lots of games left still sean
1: well as far as the general college football landscape there's a lot left to go on and there's gonna be some losses you know i'm still gonna watch not as closely because i don't think that i think the peach bowl is out of my future and so now I don't, I don't know what the bowl scenario looks like for me personally, which is what matters the most, I think. Uh, but Hey man, you know, the, the, the ponies are still, they still got, still got a shot of some cool stuff,
0: man. They got, they got back on track against central Florida at the time of this recording. We are headed into probably the biggest game of the year for the ponies. If not, uh, you know, at least one of the biggest against uh, Cincinnati at Cincinnati. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know if you saw Sean Rick Neuheisel on CBS <laughs> is going with the ponies. I,
1: I I like I like the ponies here. I have to say it's not just because it's the hometown team, but it is. But I do like the ponies here. Well, and I don't know. You know, I, I don't make too many predictions. I don't go out on the limb you know, too often. You know, I, I use kind of the big I I like the ponies in this spot.
0: It's a big statement, Sean, and uh, I think that most people will probably definitely take the 12-and-a-half. Uh, that, that, definitely take the 12-and-a-half. Yeah. So, so well, you know, we'll see. It's a big test for Cincinnati. They've got um, – as you know, I've been uh, beating on the college football playoff – don't call it a playoff committee uh, – incessantly for the past several weeks. Uh, and as you say, there's lots of games left. Cincinnati's got to play SMU. They've got to play at East Carolina, I believe. And then maybe Houston potentially pretty salty bunch. They got to play potentially at Houston if they lose one of those. So a lot of football left, but um, I will keep banging my drum, uh, carrying the group of five on my back.
1: Talk talk to me in December. Talk to me the first week (laughs) of December. And let's, let's see what this conversation sounds like. And and then, and, and then, you know, Cincinnati keeps winning there. So
0: anyway, that that's, that's yes. That's, that's, well, when when Alabama has two losses and are still number two, then we can talk, Sean. Not going to have.
1: Cowboys also have some you know big games coming up.
0: Hey, here's a, here's a fun stat. When is the last time that the that the Cowboys led the league in points and yards?
1: I'm I'm going to say, although I, I feel like the answer, I probably feel like. Okay, the last time in points and yards. I feel like the answer is never, but I'm going to go with
0: 1993. 1995, Man, Sean it was, was close. When was the last time the Atlanta Braves won the World Series, Sean Williams? 1995. Before when was the last game? time the Cowboys won the Super Bowl, Sean? It's also
1: 1995.
0: The 95 seat Correct, 96, but, you know,
1: yeah. 95. And I heard another stat that I'm know. not going to – I'm not going to beat you down with, but just look up the name of the Auburn quarterback in each of the Braves' last three World <laughs> Street wins. Another good stat.
0: Oh, brother. Okay.
1: Well, so, so I know we're down to two listeners now at this point. So I think we probably better shut this down.
0: Well, I'm going to, now that I will, I will go tell um, my wife, whose middle name is Auburn, this stat and my father-in-law. This is going to be helpful for Thanksgiving. Thank good one.
1: Yeah, look that one up.
0: All right. Tremendous.
1: All right. Well, this has been Deconstructing Dallas. We want to thank Nadine Lee, President and CEO of Dallas Air Rapid Transit for joining us. Thanks to Gordon Shadows for helping us set the interview up. Thanks to our owners at Allen Media, Mary Woodley, Jennifer Pascal. Thanks to our entire Allen Media team, especially Samaji Best, who's been helping us Put these episodes together for the last couple of months. Thanks so much, Samaji. We want to thank you, our listeners. Please, please, please share this episode with everyone you know via all your social media cha- uh, channels. Uh, please leave us a leave us five stars and a review. Uh, I have actually was looking, and we've got we've bumped up on our reviews and our, our stars, lately. So thanks to everyone, and keep pushing. We're getting close to, uh, to a new high on that. So keep going on that, please. And if you want to find us on social media, you can find my partner at Trimble 15 R-T-R-I-M-B-L-E 15. You can find me at Sean P. Williams, S-H-A-W-N-P as in Patrick Williams. Please tweet this episode. Let us know what you think. Uh, we'll be back very soon. We had a great month last month. We've got another exciting episode coming to you real soon. Uh, we've got council member Casey Thomas coming up with us. We're looking forward to that. So until the next time, we are looking forward to some holiday turkey and some time off. And until then, adios.